a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. everybody welcome to the stream it is wednesday september 13th worldwide wednesday welcome to episode number 450 nice even number of simply cyber's daily cyber threat brief podcast i'm your host dr gerald dozier and over the next 45 minutes me you marcus kyler jonathan carpenter kenneth ruff space tacos with the squad membership gifts tom bishop over in the boot charles dunn King Victory, Jada Hermit, so many squad members. Mono Julian's up in here. Folks over on LinkedIn, folks over on YouTube. First timers and long timers, we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So what can you do with it today to operationalize it and reduce cyber risk for your business or your clients? And if you're looking to break into the industry, I've got special news for you. All of what we're covering today and tomorrow and every single episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast is going to deliver value to you. It's going to give you exposure to different concepts, terminology. You're absolutely going to be asked in any job interview for cybersecurity, how do you stay current? This is the answer that I think is phenomenal. And the networking is top notch. Am, am, am I right? Eddie, Kyle Murphy, Darius Cater, the networking, chef's kiss. So get in here first timers and let us know what's cracking. Uh, but before we get into all of that, um, I do wanna say that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. Uh, what would be a good one for that? Eh? Yes, yes, half a CPE, which is a continuing professional education credit. So if you hold a cybersecurity certification, you know what that means. If you don't, then don't sweat the CPEs. But either way, do me a favor, if you're live here, if you're one of the 130 people who got here, on time, ready to rock and roll. Hashtag team live in chat. Let us know that you're here, team live. Now, if you are watching on replay, hello from the past. How's things in the future? Hopefully it's pretty sweet up there. Do me a favor, uh, team replay. Team replays people too. Hashtag team replay in the comments. Make sure, take a screenshot of team live, team replay, whatever, um, and, and save it off showing that you were here at this time. So you have auditable, forensically sound evidence um, that you were here and you get the CPEs. Now, if it is your first episode, first episode only people, don't be shy. This isn't weird. We're not, don't make it weird. Just hashtag first timer in chat. We love welcoming our first timers. So many folks finding the stream for the first time. We've been here 450 episodes in a row, but believe me, we are got open arms and like Oprah, where's my Oprah emotes? 
There's my Oprah emotes. We got open arms like Oprah. Everyone get in here. There's plenty of room. We'll always go grab another folding chair and throw it down for someone else to come and sit down. Let us know, hashtag first timer in chat if it's your first time. Now, if it is your first time, you picked a hell of a day to do it because it is Wednesday, Worldwide Wednesday, and we have a banger of a, um, what do we call this, guys? Activity uh, prior to getting into the show. But before we go around the world, I do want to say shout out and holla to the stream's sponsors, the ones who allow me to bring this show to you every single morning and help fund the coffee addiction that I have. Got to get that French roast. You, you, you picking up what I'm putting down? Anyone doesn't dig, get down with the French roast? Catch me outside. How about that? Catch me outside with some French roast. How about that? I literally will find any excuse to play that sounder, even if it doesn't make sense. Love that sounder. All right. Hey, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out. They've got so much real life practical experience interfacing with criminals, helping victims get back, recover to a good system state and continue to make money, right? Because at the end of the day, let's be real. Like, yes, there's nonprofits and stuff. But for the most part, you know, capitalism, business, for-profit, people are trying to make money when they get ransomware. They're not doing it. And it concerns the crap out of them because they might lose their business. All the families that depend on the business generating revenue to pay payroll, they could be impacted. So this could crush communities. So do me a favor. If you run a business or an infosec program and you don't have a good ransomware prevention and recovery strategy, check out barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Good to see you, Jenny Housley. It's not a Worldwide Wednesday without Jenny Housley in chat. Also, Kimberly and BSEC. Love the mods. Hope everyone's well. Guys, let me tell you about Panopsi Security really quickly, and then we'll get into Worldwide Wednesday. Yeah, if you're a threat actor, Barricade says, cashing outside. Thank you, CatGPT. I love it. All right, so check it out. Uh, Panopsi Cyber is a partner who you, you can pair with to help um, build your cybersecurity program. So in the world of cyber, I'm not going to get too deep into the weeds here, but in the world of cyber, you can't just be reactive and like, like run around putting out fires left and right. Or you can have a strategic approach. You can approach things methodically. You could say, hey, Q1, we're doing this. 2024, we're doing that. I need budget coming up uh, in 25 for this. We need to hire people. Let's start getting the HR wagon rolling. It's a lot better. And it's how mature organizations operate InfoSec. So if you don't know how to do that and you want to help your business, contact Panopsi. They are a partner that can take you from zero to hero at whatever hero definition is for you and your program. It's awesome. They do all sorts of great work, including quantified risk assessments. All right, now, <clears throat> excuse me. I did run a poll yesterday. Most people prefer two ads and then one at the mid-roll, so we'll do it that way. So anti-siphon at the mid-roll. But guys, I got news for you. Ooh, ooh, it feels good. We're going to do some Worldwide Wednesday. But before we do that, let me do the little re because Worldwide Wednesday is a sponsored segment. Worldwide's when Worldwide's Worldwide's Worldwide Wednesday is presented by IT Pro TV. Now IT Pro from ACI Learning, the international online training solution that professionals 
in audit, cyber, and IT turn to for binge-worthy content. Use my promo code SIMPLYCYBER30 and get an extra 30% off. Simply Cyber and ACI Learning, friends, affiliated, 30% off with my code just right off the top your first month of your first year. So don't uh, sleep on that. Thank you, ACI Learning, uh, for sponsoring the segment. Now, guys, if you're new here, if you are new here and you don't know what we're doing, let me explain to you. We're going to start the clock. We're going to go about two minutes. I am going to scream at you. Don't start doing it yet. Don't start doing it yet. I'm going to scream at all of you to tell me where you're at right now, live. Every single Wednesday, we try to see if live, right now, at this very moment, we have international uh, um, presence in every continent, including Middle East and Central America. Now, I hope South America's online because we usually struggle with South America. But get ready. Here we go. This is Worldwide Wednesday, one of my favorite segments. I also get to uh, spaz out, and you guys seem to enjoy that while I'm uh, like, like trying to figure out where countries are. All right, so here we go. Let me set this to two minutes. All right, y'all. Where are you at? Let's do it. Chicago's in the house. Japan's in the house. What's up, Japan? I see you. Rising sun. I love it. SoCal. What's up, Belgium? Good beers. Ah, where's Belgium? Germany. Check. Belgium. Utica, New York's in the house. What's up, Hotlanta? Bangalore's in the house. I see you, India. Sicily. Thank you, Big Boot, for bringing us online. What's up, Brooklyn? Long Island. Turks and Caicos. Too small to find on the map right now. Hungry in the house. Yes, yes, yes. Where's hungry? Hungry, hungry, hippos. Hungry, hungry, hungry. Uh, uh, uh. Boom. Hungry. Uh, Alabama's in the house. Pennsylvania. What's up, Big Apple? Hey, Havana, Cuba. I see you. That's awesome. I didn't know Cuba had presence. This is good. Australia's in the house. Oi, oi, oi. Ireland bringing on the uh, the big island there. What's up, Dublin? South Africa bringing the, con- the continent of Africa online. What's up? Oman, I see you. Um, Oman, take a note on Oman. It's going to take me a minute to find Oman. I think it's in the Middle East. Uh, there it is. Got you on the right. Colombia, thank you, whoever Colombia brought in. Who's Colombia? Uh, I missed it. Whoever brought Colombia in. Thank you. Texas, Maryland, D.C., Malaysia's in the house, y'all. Malaysia. Boom, baby. Afghanistan, what's up? UK's in the house, bringing on the whole island. Brooklyn, Toronto, bringing on the great state of... The great country, Canada. I love it. IT Pro getting some love. Trinidad, Tobago. Trinidad, Trinidad, Trinidad. I don't know, like Trinidad's hard for me to find too. All right, that's one. Uh, Big Easy, I love it. I love it, Louisiana, good to see you. Connecticut, Thailand in here, yes. I love it, Kansas, I see you, North Dakota. What's up, Philly, brotherly love in the house. Blue Crabs, Michigan, Michigan football doing silly good. Rhode Island, what's up, representing the smallest state. All right, Texarkana, hey, Matt McDaniel. All right, guys. Woo! Gosh, that was a lot of fun. All right, let's do some cleanup here really quickly. Uh, I genuinely appreciate the um, <laughs> I appreciate the mods helping me here. Uh, Asia, Asia's online. <laughs> uh, I see Malaysia, Dublin, Afghanistan. We got all these. 
Uh, Trinidad, Tobago. Trinidad, Tobago. I will admit I'm a little ignorant with Trinidad. I feel like Trinidad, Tobago is somewhere in the Caribbean, but um, with the Caribbean islands in this map, it's so hard to, it's so hard to find. Um, all right, so, hey, what's up, Maggie on security first timer? All right, so check it out. Let's just do a quick inventory. North America, South America, Central America, Europe, Asia, South Af um, Africa, and Australia. We have Middle East, we have Central America. Um, guys. We did it. We went around the world. Congratulations, everybody. Turkey with a, a late throw-in from the uh, from the top rope. Guys, congratulations. We absolutely crushed it. Congratulations. The reason we do Worldwide Wednesday is because it's wicked fun, but also just to demonstrate our community is inclusive, is supportive, is amazing, and we are international. So we're bringing perspectives from every part of the world into chat. Maggie on security, you picked a hell of a day for your first day here. Let's rock and roll. Guys, do me a favor. Do me a favor. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I will see you at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Wednesday, September 13th, 2023. MGM Resorts, slot machines, and ATMs disrupted by cybersecurity incident. MGM Resorts' main website is down, forcing visitors to make hotel reservations over the phone and use third-party booking companies to buy tickets for shows and attractions. The hotel and casino giant revealed that it's investigating a cybersecurity incident, which has also reportedly disrupted the functioning of ATM machines, slot machines, and the hotel's card key system, locking some resort guests out of their room. The company says it's engaged external cyber experts to investigate and has notified law enforcement. MGM clarified in a tweet that dining, entertainment, and gaming facilities are all operational. Yeah, don't worry. They'll still be able to take your money. They just, it's just awkward for them to take their money. Take your money. All right, so this is a massive, massive story. Okay, we covered it yesterday in like bonus time or whatever. Or, or during uh, the read for Barricade Cyber, I made a comment about this guys you cannot underpin how massive this story is so a couple things here um and again i'm no expert on all of this but in in the in the world of like vegas and casinos and you know straight cash homie straight cash homie mgm resorts is like one of mgm is one of the two bigger ones i think caesar's is the other one right so it's not just mgm grand hotel it's like MGM owns like half of Vegas, right? And I think Caesars owns the other half of Vegas, right? So they make it, trust me, dude, Vegas is like straight up uh, veneer and made to look like, you you know, opportunity and fun, but it's not. But okay, so like the strip I'm talking about, I, there's a plenty of Simply Cyber people in Vegas that are awesome. So I'm not, I'm not downplaying Vegas. I'm just talking about the way that the casinos paint Vegas. MGM Resorts has massive amounts of data okay spending habits how much money how frequently um and they've gotten hit they do not say ransomware but let's be real for all intents and purposes they're still calling it a quote-unquote cyber incident we've talked about that on the stream before mono julian with the super chat thank you so much did we just become best friends yep 
Thank you so much, Mono Julian. Uh, yeah, being reported that this isn't consigned just to Vegas. Um, so it's MGM Resorts in general, which is, which is an international company with international properties. But I, I just want to focus on, on the Vegas thing for a second. So first of all, it's a cyber incident. I've said it on the show before. You really want to be careful before you call it a breach. Uh, because when you say the word breach, certain mechanisms start um, playing out that you can't stop or control or, or pull back in. It's absolutely a breach. In the report, and I skimmed the story. Oh, by the way, I don't re I don't review or research any of these stories prior to going live. So um, like Maggie on security as a first timer, you should know that. This is like straight up um, uh, my initial thoughts. It's definitely a breach. I don't know, like, I don't know why they haven't said breach yet, but it said in the story that uh, Jack Dorsey and Justin Bieber's personal information has already been leaked online. This, for all intents and purposes, screams ransomware. They are down in multiple places. Data has been exfilled and put online. I'm sure if somebody is a threat intel person in here or, you know, trolls around on the dark web, they may even have more information on what threat actor group has committed this particular uh, crime. So it's a big one. Second of all, when we talk about ransomware, okay, and I know I've beaten it to death, but when we talk about ransomware, there's prevention and there's recovery. Your prevention is 100%. So you should, like MGM, I'm sure, spent a ton of money on prevention. And they probably spent a ton of money on recovery. So the fact that they're not recovering quickly is very interesting to me. Okay, the average recovery time of a ransomware incident is about five and a half, six days. So even when you're a massive you know, business with deep pockets and lots of people, it still takes a few days. There's no magic button you just hit and like instantly recover, okay? Third thing I wanna point out, and this is probably the most interesting one to me, is who the threat actor was. Dude, MGM Resorts is a massively wealthy company. They print money, right? Like they have infinite money. Like, hold on, I wonder. I just wonder if I can even like look at this. MGM annual, MGM Resorts annual revenue. Just let's take a guess. All right, so it's actually less than I thought. They only made $14 billion last year, which sounds like a lot, right? Which sounds like a lot. Which sounds like a lot, $14 billion. But Microsoft made, like Microsoft, for example, made $40 billion on Office 365 and LinkedIn last year, okay? And that's just part of Microsoft's portfolio. They made more money on Azure and more money on Xbox. So I'm actually a little surprised MGM Resorts is so low relatively, but okay. Great cash, homie. But anyways, at $14 billion, they're, they're definitely interested in keeping all that money. So whoever the threat actor is that got in really was sophisticated. When I initially saw this story, I was thinking Lazarus Group, like immediately Lazarus Group. However, uh, Lazarus doesn't typically uh, um, go in ransomware. Like as far as I know, Lazarus has never done ransomware. So that doesn't really map to them. If I had to guess, this is definitely a top tier actor, Alfie, Black Cat, um, maybe Lockbit. Um, but this this is a sophisticated threat actor. And they're going to get paid. I, I'm, I'm certain MGM is willing to pay 
um, in order to get this. And whoever it is, it, it may never come out how much the ransom was, um, but it, it's something. It, the only way it would come out what the ransom is, is threat actors typically want to publish it publicly in order to um, intimidate and uh, pressure victims into pain. So keep your eyes on this. The, and the very, very, very final thing I'll say on this one, which is really interesting, is typically when you are doing, typically whenever you um, are, are working with the business, right? So like pre, pre-incident, pre-ransomware, right? So like, you know, like I'm sitting down with the board or really not the board, the executives or BSEC sitting down with the executives, whatever. You typically say like, how, like it's very difficult to calculate this, but like how much pain can you intolerate? Like how many days down can we be before it's a problem, right? And in manufacturing, it's kind of easy because like if the manufacturing stops, you could say we don't produce widgets for five days. It, we make about, you know, whatever, like uh, $100,000 a day. That's half a million dollars. We can't be down for five days. All right, so then I need to spend less than half a million dollars to improve our recovery time window to lower than five days. You understand what I'm saying? Because like if if you can if you can't be down for five days and it's 100 grand a day, no one's going to spend a million dollars on technology to recover faster than five days, right? You wouldn't spend a dime to save a nickel. That would be stupid. So there are numbers in here and constraints that are put in place. For this one, I really wonder how much money MGM Resorts is losing per day for this incident. It has to be a big number, right? People can't play slots. Slots make infinite money for these guys. People can't check people can't book a hotel appointment or reservation right now online. You know what most people do when they can't do something? They go to a competitor because oh, I want to go to Turks Caicos. MGM Resort sites down. Oh, here's here's another one. Let's go there. Oh, this looks nice. MGM is hemorrhaging money right now. It's crazy. It's crazy. Keep an eye on this one. This is a big story. More because of the who the victim is and how sophisticated the attack must have been. And I will leave myself a little crack of a window here. It is possible. It is possible that some engineer left some stupid misconfiguration or credentials out. And it was like a super privileged account. And someone went right through, like cut straight through. Uh, like a wormhole and went from the outside directly to the crown jewel. Uh, but in rea if I had to guess, that's a lower percentage chance. Highly likely sophisticated threat actor in there for a while and then executed logic bomb style. Hackers access sensitive data of thousands of Airbus vendors. Data allegedly belonging to aviation and aerospace manufacturer Airbus was leaked on the dark web by a hacker dubbed USDOD. The hacker allegedly accessed data of 3,200 Airbus vendors, including contact details such as names, addresses, phone numbers, and email addresses. USDOD said they exploited employee access from a Turkish airline to acquire access to the data. It appears the victim downloaded a version of the Microsoft.NET framework, which was infected with redline info-stealing malware. A sample of the leaked data on breached forums shows that Rockwell Collins and Talus Group were among the affected vendors. USDOD is the same threat actor that leaked to the FBI's InfraGuard database back in December and claims to be a member of the ransomed cybercrime group. All right, so threat actors doing threat actor stuff. Um, 
you know, there's a data breach. Threat actors drop it on dark web forums to either sell it, uh, demonstrate their capabilities so they can get more work and, and get social proof and trust from other criminals. Because you got to remember on the dark web, it's not like it's not like they meet up at criminal con and like high five each other and get matching tattoos. Like it's all anonymous. So you need to like establish cred uh, in these dark web forums so you can get, you know, brought into like more sinister things and prove that you're not a, a fed or something or a narc, right? Um, so this is this is what's going on. Um, okay, like the InfraGuard database, the story isn't even about the InfraGuard database being leaked, although this particular hacker did do it. Um, I don't see how it says FBI hacker leaks sensitive. Um, let me see really quickly. Do, 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 do. Again, I don't prep for this stuff, so um, I'm kind of uh, confused here. Why is this an avoidable breach? Um, see, this is weird. Here's the th okay. So two things. One, I I hate I hate when they do this. Okay, like Fashion! like just really quickly, it pisses me off to no end. This I hate when they do this. This title is misleading there it wasn't an fbi hacker like what are you talking about a threat actor hacked a turkish um a turkish an employee of a turkish airline do you see this an employee from a turkish airline that is not an fbi hacker like what are you talking about some turkish airline employee had access to airbus's data of of personal information or whatever i don't know if it's airbus you know, schematics or Airbus employees or Airbus customers, whatever it is, and they leaked it online. It's relevant because this particular threat actor also hacked the FBI InfraGuard, okay? So I guess they're saying that this hacker previously hacked an FBI database and now they're hacking and leaking sensitive Airbus data. To me, like, words have meaning. Context matters. This is not an FBI hacker this is someone who hacked the fbi right it's just i don't know man i know it makes sense i know it's actual actual but yeah clickbait i hate it i hate it it's 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 it almost dropped a, a bomb sorry kennedy sorry Jaden. like just it, it's annoying to me okay it's annoying okay and, and i guess for what it's worth it's it's worth noting don't just read the title and then make an assumption on what the story is uh so anyways the TLDR here, uh, big company got breached, data leaked. Okay, like, welcome to a Tuesday, like, in normal life of InfoSec. The only other thing I want to say really quickly, and it's worth noting, um, is, can we see this? You see this avatar right here, or this, this uh, profile? If you see this one right here, if you see this, this is legit. Like, for some reason, I don't know why, but like, if you're like a legit hacker on dark web forums, like you use this avatar, like I see this all the time, but it's only, it's only for um, like legit threat actors. Like if you use this avatar and you're not legit, you're like, you probably get uh, flamed by the legit hackers. I don't know what it is. And I don't know if like, this is just my experience, but guys, this to me, does anyone else see this? Like, it's like always this one. It's always... It's always this one. It's like, like as soon as I saw it in the story, I'm like, oh wow, yes, yeah, that's legit right there. Ah, 
It's it's like a stamp of approval. All right, let's move on. Crypto Queen's sidekick sentenced for $4 billion scam. On Tuesday, co-founder of the OneCoin cryptocurrency scam, Carl Greenwood, was sentenced to 20 years in prison and ordered to pay back $300 million. Authorities say the scheme cost more than 3.5 million victims, a total of $4 billion worldwide. Greenwood was the main marketer of the Ponzi scheme, convincing victims to purchase crypto packages and convince others to do the same to earn commission despite the fact that OneCoins were entirely worthless. Ruja Ignatova, who has been nicknamed the Crypto Queen, was charged with fraud and money laundering back in October of 2017, but boarded a commercial flight to Greece two weeks later and has not been seen since. Ignatova is currently on the FBI's most wanted list. All right, couple things. Couple things. One, uh, Super Chat, James McQuiggan. Did we just become best friends? Yep. My man, James McQuiggan. Congratulations, James. James McQuiggan getting a talk accepted at B-Sides Charleston. B-Sides Charleston is on November 4th. It's not next month. It's November 4th um, here in the Low Country. Also, not to steal thunder from James, but I'm keynoting B-Sides Charleston this year. So you can, if you, if you go to the conference, you can, uh, like, we can high five uh, James McQuiggan, me, you, uh, I know Casually Joseph's going to be there. Eric Taylor might make uh, an appearance. So I'm just saying, besides Charleston's going to be lit this year. So definitely don't sleep on that. Um, congratulations, James. Super happy to hear it. And maybe uh, we can or, uh, arrange for you to come into the Buffer Osier Flow studio and we can do a live stream podcast, you and me. Um, that'd be fun. Okay, so Crypto Queen's right-hand man sends to 20 years. Guys, first of all... Um, I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it. All right. So law enforcement's kicking holes in speakers, pulling the plug and then jetting. I love this. Um, By the way, this is also like uh, no honor among thieves, guys. So Crypto Queen, this woman um, who basically created some BS cryptocurrency called OneCoin. It was worthless, never worth anything. And then elicited a get rich quick scheme where you could buy these coins, people inflated it, affiliate marketing, Ponzi schemes, unbelievable returns. And this guy, um, what's his name? Carl Greenwood. He was like, right. He was like the chief marketing officer for selling, uh, selling crap basically. And it would be like, Oh, like look at all the money I've got. Okay. So this was 2017, 2018. Um, he's going to prison for 20 years. Good. Second of all, I feel like the the day of NFTs and cryptocurrency scams and all that crap is slightly behind us. People have wisened up. FTX has collapsed. All the NFT rug pulls people have suffered. Dogecoins, you know, these stupid things. Uh, CryptoZoo with that uh, Logan Paul dude, right? It's It's just scam central. And these people should be held accountable. It was a freaking... Wild West run on the market. Um, you know, it, it, it really, unfortunately, it paired with uh, COVID and people were like losing their jobs and trying to find a solution and people were selling them snake oil. Okay, so good. Th- this woman got on a plane and went to Greece and no one's seen her from her ever since. I hope to God there is a task force at Interpol who is looking for this woman and I hope she doesn't sleep well at night. I hope... She is in a constant state of fear 
uh, of one day, you know, opening her door and there's just like a task force there uh, waiting to uh, arrest her. So enjoy that. Now, granted, she's probably got a ton of money and has a private island and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, she's, you know, you still got to work with some people, right? Like you either got to go to the grocery store yourself or someone else has got to go. I'm sure she's not like farming, right? So people know where she is and eventually the money runs out. And when the money runs out, allegiances run out. So I'm hoping at some point this woman gets popped. Um, good. It's just another another one of these like whatever, like cryptocurrency things. One thing I will share because I absolutely love his content and um, he doesn't, um, he hasn't been doing as much information. He hasn't been doing as much lately as he, as he was during the like the peak the peak of um the the crypto and all that stuff but coffeezilla i'm gonna drop a link in chat if you guys haven't seen this guy he is fantastic his content is well produced and thorough and he really he takes it upon himself basically to be like uh, a champion of the people who get defrauded from crypto and uh online scams and stuff he has a whole section on crypto zoo uh, FTX, Celsius, that guy's going to jail. Ty Lopez, all these like, uh, um, you know, whatever, like gurus. I love it. If you don't, if you don't know Coffeezilla and anything I've said in the last two minutes is interesting, absolutely check it out. It is phenomenal. And this new chatbot may have a censorship problem. A few weeks back, Chinese search engine giant Baidu introduced its new chatbot named Ernie, which racked up over 33 million user inquiries within the first 24 <laughs> hours of operation. It seems, however, that Ernie's performance may be significantly hamstrung by Chinese censorship. For example, when asked if Xi Jinping or his predecessor Hu Jintao are sick, the chatbot will respond, let's talk about something else. And when asked if it's a sign of weakness that the Chinese government has stopped publishing youth unemployment data, Ernie answers, I'm sorry, I don't know how to answer that question yet. It's possible the technology has simply not been ironed out enough to answer such questions. However, George Washington University professor Jeffrey Ding said recent Chinese generative AI regulations impose restrictions on services that have public opinion properties or the capacity to influence societal views. No, hey, Marcus Kyler, Ty Lopez, I don't believe has been arrested. I'm just saying CoffeeZilla did a... Um, video series or uh, a video on Ty Lopez and those type of things. And if there's value in it and people getting scammed. Okay. So a couple months ago, maybe uh, China announced that like two different uh, businesses had been awarded the opportunity to develop AI kind of like chat GPT chat GPT ish or whatever. And I said at the time, okay, again, I'm not like some soothsayer up here. Like it, it was pretty obvious, but like I said at the time, these two companies were selected because they agreed to like bend the knee to the Chinese government and allow them to see probably all the source code and also uh, stipulate certain requirements that would have to be baked into the software. Not just the behavior of the AI, but also I bet you data exfil and um, you know span porting all of the queries and all of the results. Um, I do think the name Ernie is kind of odd, uh, honestly. But um, here's the deal: to nobody's surprise, if you ask a question that is even remotely misaligned with the People's Republic of China's you know overall vision or statement. Um, the chatbot doesn't answer you, okay? It's supposed to be generative AI. 
it's either, well, first of all, it's probably built on a biased data set. It's not built on some type of objective data set. That's a speculation hot take. Second of all, um, there's definitely, it. like, I bet you if you ask it anything about the president, um, it'll it'll say, like, let's talk about something else, or it'll spin some type of, like, positive message. I bet you if you ask Chatbot or Ernie, like, is Taiwan a country, it, you know, like, it probably, like, <laughs> it probably tries to educate you on the reality of Taiwan, that it's a state of China, right, for example, right? So there's definitely subjective bias built into this thing. When they say that it, uh, like, some of the bugs haven't been worked out, that is that is a true statement. I assure you, all software has bugs, and all software, oh, that's great. All the uh, icons on my desktop just flashed. They're still flashing. Oh, this is, this is, this isn't good. Like I'm actively being attacked right now. <laughs> the hell? All right. All right. Well, I guess maybe I said too much. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to sort that out afterwards. Um, so uh, this is no surprise to anyone. It's just the execution of that. The one thing that they didn't mention that I don't think would ever be covered is like, I would imagine that either you log in or they definitely have your I-M-E-I -E or E-M-I-E-I. -E like they know who's asking the questions, right? So if one person's asking lots of questions about something that is kind of like not a good thing, like about the Uyghur population, right? Maybe, or about Tiananmen Square, maybe, or about Taiwan, maybe. Maybe that person gets flagged for follow-up by the government. Maybe they, maybe they want to pay a visit to that person to ask them, um, you know, if, if they would like some extra assistance in learning about what they need to learn about. Okay. So by the way, this isn't new. Okay. So when, when Google went into China and allowed Google search, China was like, you can't be in here returning results unless we approve certain things. Right. And Google was like, ah, we don't really like that. So Google pulled out. Then Google realized there's a lot of money to be made in China. This is what, if, guys, if you're old enough to know this, Google's original model was do no evil, right? Do no evil was their original model or, you know, vision statement or whatever. And they got rid of that. And it was like a big hubbub about why, why? And then it, like it. It's because they went back into China and they had to accept the terms that were pushed down upon them about certain censoring of certain Google results. Okay, so that's that's what's up there. This shouldn't surprise anyone, you know, but AI, you know, guys, you shouldn't treat AI as some like all knowing, all seeing, uh, you know, demigod. It's based on a data set that some human or group of humans have selected. Right. You can choose subjective or biased content you can omit certain perspectives and now a word from our sponsor all right Conveyor. we're running a little late today sorry here's how to measure if your security questionnaire answering software is effective we benchmarked the rfp and compliance tools on the market and most are only generating accurate responses to questionnaires 20 to 50 percent of the time ready for 80 to 90 percent auto-generated accurate answers so you can fly through your review then you should try Conveyor's AI security questionnaire <coughs> automation tool. Don't believe us? Try a free proof of concept at www.conveyor.com. That's C-O-N-V-E-Y-O-R.com.
Really quickly, I saw Mono Julian's jaw jacking come in. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you, Mono. Uh, yeah, definitely interested in the jaw jacking. All right, guys, it's the mid-roll. So uh, was it Maggie on security? Kelly on security? I'm sorry, uh, first timer. Um, but this is what we do at the mid-roll. All right. Hey, take it easy, Cyber Munchkin. Have a good one. Kyle Murphy. All right. Thanks for the insight, Kyle Murphy, on the avatar. All right, guys, really quickly on the mid-roll, I do like to take a minute and thank the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and Anti-Siphon. I mentioned it earlier, but I didn't have a chance to go into it. Anti-Siphon Training is here to disrupt the traditional training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, everyone, regardless of financial position. Don't let financial situation, socioeconomic status, wherever you are, slow you down from getting quality cyber education and anti-siphon training is enabling that for you if you use the link in the description below just go down look at the description click on it and then bookmark it and come back later right you can go to training pay what you can training and anti-siphon has several courses that are pay what you can if zero dollars is what you can pay then zero dollars is what you can pay don't sleep on this training and i want to call out specifically that starting next monday John Strand himself, who's a really, really amazing instructor and very knowledgeable cybersecurity professional, will be hosting live Getting Started in Cyber with uh, Black Hills and Mitre Attack. So if you're looking to break in, if you're new to the industry, hell, if you're just got the time, even if you've been in the industry, this is definitely worth a sniff. Go check it out. Black Hills, anti-siphon training, great stuff. Uh, thank you to the sponsors. Okay, also want to say to all of you, if you're getting value from the stream, if you're getting entertainment value, pay it forward to somebody else tomorrow who might find the stream for the first time by hitting the like button today. If you like this stream, hit the like button. It's like, it's, the, it's a small action. It takes two seconds. And what it does is it will trigger the YouTube algorithm to go tell other people who are looking for cybersecurity content that we're here and you all like cyber content and you like like this stream this is how we grow the community this is how we get more first timers so please do me a solid and hit the like button do somebody else a solid someone we haven't even met yet guys the simply cyber community challenge continues to chug on sean porter has the baton sean porter is in chat sean porter please tag somebody in chat please oh yeah hey mcdalia's social saturday was was on fire, Magdalia. Hey, listen, Sean Porter, tag somebody in chat. Guys, if you would like to supercharge your LinkedIn feed and grow your professional network in a unbelievably uh, force multiplier way, this is the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Go on to, like, listen, like literally do the following things. Go on to LinkedIn, search for this hashtag, connect, connect, connect with the people who are posting both the original post and the comments. Then comment on each post. You will get picked up on the Peloton and people will start connecting with you. This isn't a cheat where you grow your network with a bunch of fake bot accounts. Everybody that's connecting with you is legit cyber professionals, part of an inclusive, supportive community, and we rock. We are growing like a, a, a square squad is what we are. So you could go on, I promise you, ask anyone who chat who has been taking this challenge seriously, their network is awesome.
their LinkedIn feed is basically just straight up value, cybersecurity resources, supporting comments. Um, it's amazing, okay? So don't sleep on the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Sean is looking for a volunteer. Giddy up on that, Sean. Migdalia, you were big on social Saturdays. You want you want the baton? Let us know. All right, guys. We already did Worldwide Wednesday. Maggie on security. Maggie on security asking. Sean's asking about it. Let me see. Let's see what's up. Maggie. Magdalia, who wants it? All right, I got to keep going. You guys sort out who gets the baton. Thank you very much. Let's keep rolling. CISA offers free security scans for public water utilities. The U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency has announced it's offering free security scans for critical infrastructure facilities to help protect them from cyber attacks. The program was co-developed with the Environmental Protection Agency, Later, Leon. Water Sector Coordinating Council, and the Association of State Drinking Water Administrators, and CISA has requested that all drinking and wastewater system operators enroll. As part of the program, CISA will run weekly scans of a facility's internet-exposed endpoint vulnerabilities. It will then run subsequent scans to confirm whether the water utilities have taken steps to mitigate the issues. Oh, that's cool. New re All right, so guys, uh, okay, first of all, obviously, Jen Easterly. Jen Easterly. By the way, I'm doing the Cyber 101 course, and I had a whole... <laughs> I had a whole section on CISA and uh obviously I mentioned Jen right okay like I, I don't have an unhealthy obsession I'm just saying the woman does her job like a boss okay she's really really good at her job and I I fully appreciate that all right guys <laughs> CISA continuing to deliver excellence for the public private sector uh community if you are working in critical infrastructure, you definitely could take advantage of this. If you're working in water utilities, I'm looking at one really specific member of the Simply Cyber community who's definitely listening right now. If you're working in water, get on this, okay? They will scan your network weekly and send you a report card. Now, two things here. One, this is mad value, okay? You set it and forget it. You get this weekly report. I love it. It's visually digestible. You can definitely share this with management. It looks like you're kicking butt. If your water utility plants are typically underfunded, they typically don't have a, a massive group of uh, InfoSec pros running around. So this is a way to get more staff and more help. All right, McDalia's got the baton. Love it, McDalia. Thank you. All right. Um, so definitely take advantage of this. If you're critical infrastructure, reach out and definitely take advantage of this. Now, having said that, I want to point out something. Oh, excellent. I, and uh, for the individual who I'm talking to right now, uh, I would love feedback. So the person in chat that I know has actually reached out to them. So I would love to know as a follow-up how this ends up working. But here's the deal. I want to tell everybody this really quickly. Um, here's the deal. Once you have visibility and information, you need to take action on it, okay? This is a major issue that people do all the time. And really quickly, um, Megdalia, if, if someone doesn't explain to you, I, I will explain at the end uh, what to do. But let me, let me share, like, this is a real, this is real, okay? You can go on to CISA, you can ask for this weekly scan, you can get this email, and everybody's right as rain. Let me tell you a reality, okay? 
you've got to remember this, okay, professionals and aspiring professionals, this is a reality. This is wicked easy. You send an email, you give them some IPs, the weekly emails come in. You pat, you like throw your shoulder out, patting yourself on the back because look at what I did. I've advanced my program. Here is where the work actually begins though. Once you have visibility on something, if you're not taking action on it, if you're not working it, if you're not at least making the decision to accept the risk of it, then you're being negligent, right? If you get this weekly email and then you get popped because something that's covered in here, when insurance companies come in or when management comes down and they're like, how did this happen? Did we know? And it's like, yeah, I mean, we've been told for six months that we've had this problem. Then they're like, and you decided not to say anything like fired or like, you know, whatever, like it, you see what I'm saying? So it, it, I use vulnerability management as an example, but the thing is whether it's vulnerability management or you hire a third party pen tester to come in and pen test the crap out of something, your, your enterprise or an app or whatever. And they're like, here's a list of all the horrible things we found. You really should fix it. And you're like, thanks. And then you throw it in a trash can and you check the box that says we have annual pen testing. Well, when you get hit, and management's like, what about the pen test we did? And they're like, oh yeah, no, no. They said that this was here. And they're like, that's gross negligence. That is unacceptable. So even though this is weak, I'm not saying don't do this so you can have plausible deniability. What I'm saying is be mindful that this is step one of like a five-step process. A lot of people do this and then they like, you know, celebrate and take off early on Friday to go get tacos because they're like, yeah, look at me, pretty infographic, donut charts, brah. And it's like, no, 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 no. All you did was kick the lid off the top of the, the box. And now you can see all the creepy crawlies. The work now begins. Okay, so be mindful of that. I see this happen all the time. All right. Oh, jacking attack exposed thousands of GitHub repos. Checkmark's researchers <laughs> discovered a new repo jacking <laughs> vulnerability in GitHub that could have exposed over 4,000 packages. Repo jacking allows attackers to publish a rogue repository using an old repository username after the legitimate creator changes the username. GitHub implemented a namespace retirement control, but the researchers were able to bypass the mechanism by leveraging a race condition with an API request issued almost simultaneously to create a new repository and change the account's username. The researchers recommend avoiding use of retired namespaces and checking code for dependencies that could lead to hijacking of the repository. Wow. Okay. This is actually super clever. Uh, by the way, made me think of this instantly. Of course, I'm an 80s kid. So instantly thought of this. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if anyone else thought of this, but like, uh, repo jacking. Yes. That's Emilio Estevez as probably a 19-year-old bad boy um 80s thing anyways dystopian future this was like the same era as like uh escape from new york another great movie kurt russell uh anyways i just when i saw the word repo jack and i'm like oh yeah it's totally that okay so check it out every once in a while probably more often than i would like um threat actors do something where i simply tip my hat and say well done well done sir or ma'am, like you're so, so clever. So here's the deal. I am a GitHub user. I write code all the time, right? Let's say, um, 
Let's say, oh, check it out. Uh, Sysmon. GitHub. Hold on one second. I, I just want to give you like a, a real example here. GitHub. And plus, this is a wicked good tool, okay? Swift on security. This is a really well-known GitHub repo. Swift on security has a Sysmon config file that you can download, okay? Sysmon's awesome. You can use this uh, profile. Now, check it out. Everybody goes here. Everybody goes here and downloads this. This thing's probably got like, you know, tens of thousands of downloads, if not more, okay? Now, let's just say, for example, Swift on security changes their name. Maybe there's a trademark. Taylor Swift comes in and is like, no, 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 naughty, 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 and like throws a million lawyers at Swift on security, and um, he has to change his name, okay? So changes it, continues to post. Apparently, there is, you know, a convenience on GitHub where if, if you change his name to, you know, not Swift on security or whatever, like uh, Bruno Mars on security, whatever, um, it would automatically redirect users like me and you who go to Swift on security would automatically redirect us to the new GitHub page, which sounds aces. The problem is threat actors have discovered that they can go and register Swift on security because the username is now not being used and it's available. And GitHub doesn't know that it should redirect it because it says, oh, I'm going to go to Swift on security. It exists. It's right here. So threat actors can now create a Sysmon uh, profile in this case that's completely malware. And you get all of the trust and all of the authority and all of the public, um, you know, testimonial proof that Swift on security is legit. And then essentially uh, people are unknowingly downloading malware. This is an incredibly clever this is an incredibly clever technique. Um, there's not much you can do as an end user. Like when you change your name, this is completely on Microsoft and completely on GitHub to fix this. Okay. I'm glad they caught it. Uh, it's a really, really interesting. Have a good one, Dan Reardon. Be good, my friend. And anyone else taking off, good luck. Have a great day. This is really, really interesting though. I love, I mean, I don't love it, but I love this attack. Very clever. Uh, this is a good one to whip out in a job interview as like, a, oh, did you know? Or interesting, clever, especially if it is a software company. And now it's time for You Should Probably Patch That, Patch Tuesday edition. On Tuesday, Microsoft released its September 2023 Patch Tuesday security fixes, which address a total of 59 flaws, including two actively exploited zero-day vulnerabilities. The first of the zero days is a local privilege escalation vuln affecting Microsoft's streaming service proxy. The second vuln affects Microsoft Word and can be used to steal NTLM hashes when opening a document, including in the preview pane. Meanwhile, Adobe has released security updates to patch a zero-day vulnerability in Acrobat and Reader, affecting both Windows and Mac OS that has been exploited in attacks. The vuln allows attackers to execute code after successfully exploiting an out-of-bounds right weakness. And finally, Google released an emergency Chrome 116 security update on Monday to patch a critical heap buffer overflow zero-day vulnerability that affects the WebP component. WebP is an image format that provides improved compression and quality and is supported by all modern browsers, including Chrome, Firefox, Safari, Edge, and Opera. The only thing I know about WebP files is when I try to right-click save an image off the internet and it saves it as a WebP, not a JPEG or a PNG. And I'm like, what is this? Um, 
All right, so guys, uh, Patch Tuesday, this happens monthly. Everybody who works in IT you know, either has PTSD from a Patch Tuesday, or if you work in vulnerability management, you basically like, you dread Patch Tuesday because you're like, oh my God, I almost dug out, almost dug out. Uh, but guess what? This is why vulnerability management is a job and why people get paid to do it. So they do cover in the story a couple zero days. There were 24 remote code execution bugs in Microsoft. It didn't say operating systems or whatever, but um, only five are rated critical, which means the level of uh, exploiting them um, must be some level of challenge or when you do exploit them, you don't get as much value um, from from the exploit, right? You don't get like a local account or a root account or something like that. So um, basically patch your stuff, right? Like it's basic, this is, this is rinse and repeat. This is routine, patch your stuff. Um, they do mention, I, I would argue, I am a Google Chrome user. They do mention two critical Google Chromes. I have my Google Chrome set to auto, um, auto update, but I will uh, take action because they said something here. Take action, take a minute, uh, make sure it updates. Uh, I would encourage you, like a lot of organizations, um, can do endpoint management, right? Automatically patch windows systems and stuff like that. But a lot of organizations can't patch apps, right? I can't, I can't, I mean, sometimes you can, but like I can't force a Chrome update. Um, so this is a good opportunity to, if you're like, it, I'm a big fan of weekly messages to the business about cybersecurity awareness related things and making it like one thing and snackable, right? Like you want to be, you want to be ever present in the minds of end users, but you don't want to be like beating them over the head with a 45 slide, you know, word wall deck because they'll just tune you out. But for me, I like one message, very simple, very succinct, two sentences once a week. Hey, what's up? It's Jerry from InfoSec. Here's your, you know, knowledge bomb of the week. This is a great one. You can always throw in there. Hey, just remember, like you got to patch your apps, your OS, your devices, everything. Apple just released a major update. You know, here's how you update Chrome, right? Like whatever, like make sure you update your stuff, right? So just be mindful of that. Plus by educating end users to patch their own personal things, you're getting them into the behaviors of patching cyber hygiene, understanding the value. And by the way, if you have like 98 tabs open, like I do, you got to bite the bullet. You got to suck it up. And you know what? Hit update, refresh the the uh, the the application. You might get a pop up that says, "Oh, do you want to restore your app, your tabs? Go for it." But you know, it is what it is. I like put so much RAM in this machine. I tell people it's so I can run Simply Cyber and all the all the apps and stuff I have to run to do live streams and stuff. But in reality, it's so I can have more tabs open in Chrome. Chrome is such a pig with memory. But you know what? I don't care. I don't <laughs> More tabs, more. I, I, I run so many tabs that like literally all you see is the uh, favicon. All right, guys, that's going to do it, I think, for the news today. Oh, no, wait, there's one more. New cybersecurity tabletop board game pits hackers versus defenders. A new first of its kind board game called Guardians of the Grid invites players to take their roles as cyber criminals or cyber defenders to help organizations ensure they're prepared in the event of a cyber attack. The game leverages real-life incidents and trusted frameworks like MITRE ATT&CK, CIS Top 10, and NIST 800 series. Guardians of the Grid was created by Aaron Weissman, Chief Information Security Officer at Mainline Health, who was hoping to raise $20,000 on Kickstarter to launch the cybersecurity game. The all-or-nothing crowdsource funding campaign will run until November 10th. And that does it. All right, all right. Um, 
So, you know, I, I hate I hate to hate. Okay, so let me try to be objective first. This is really cool. Um, tabletop exercises. And if you don't know, like, so let me talk to someone who hasn't worked in industry for a minute. Tabletop exercises are the activity of pretending a incident is happening, usually a ransomware, and then talking through like, oh, here's what we do, or here's an injection. Like all of a sudden, it's our, our data is being leaked on Pastebin. Now, what do we do? You ask the executives, when do we call in? You ask IT, what do we do? They say, we, we restore from backups. It's like, all right, who like, hey, junior analyst, do we, do you know how to restore from a backup? It's an opportunity to flash out where your problems are, okay? Um, and so this is good for that. And I look forward to trying to play this game on SC Cafe. I do want to point out, though, that... Um, uh, Black Hills Information Security has been rolling on a very similar initiative for years called Backdoors and Breaches. Uh, which is a card game, which is a tabletop exercise. There's an online video game version. There's a hard, uh, a hard uh, game version. I have a deck in my my desk here somewhere. But, um, anyways, you should not sleep on tabletop exercises. They are incredibly valuable. Okay, so definitely interesting. Check this out. Um, just as a quick uh, update on. Quick update on the MGM story talking about tabletop exercises. It's being reported right now that MGM Resorts is back up. So the story that we started with, um, they have recovered. I guarantee you, I guarantee you money that matters to me that they have done tabletop exercises. They have invested heavily in recovery. And I guarantee you that they executed the crap out of that recovery plan as soon as they detected some issues. Now, it's being reported that they are still having some stuff down, but by and large, their business operations are back up and running. And that's what money, focus, effort, and taking InfoSec seriously at the uh, executive level can do for you. All right? All right. If you were here just for the news, I bid you good day. I do want to share one quick uh, thing with everybody. One of our own Simply Cyber community members, a really wonderful uh, professional, Samantha Snellen, has been nominated for a, uh, I think it's, rising star award um here yeah i think she's been nominated for the rising star award but if you would like um if you would like um vote for samantha snellen now if you don't want to vote for her because you don't know her that's totally cool but if you do know samantha if you have seen her in chat if you've been interacted with her on discord then consider voting we're not trying to we're not trying to influence or sway this um this 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 you know vote or competition all i'm saying is i'm making you aware of it i saw it in discord i logged in on top of samantha there was actually some other people in there like eric bellardo who i know and i know what he's done with raices so um i voted for him okay so do choose your own adventure I just make it available to you. If you would like to vote, please go check it out. Uh, and congratulations to Samantha on being nominated as a finalist. That itself is no, um, nothing to like, you know, um, not appreciate. Okay. So like straight crushing it. So we're all for you. Okay, guys, if you were here just for the news, uh, where are we? Where are we? 
Ah, if you were here for the news, holla, holla, holla. Uh, and I would like to tell you that I thank you very much. We'll be back tomorrow at Thursday, 8 a.m. Eastern time. If it was your first time today, I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you return tomorrow. And if it, you're a regular long timer, I hope you tell a friend to come join us tomorrow. Uh, we're at uh, 308. We've been we've been kind of like uh, hitting uh, an upper bound of about 350, kind of consistently, which is fantastic. But I would love to uh, burst through that and continue to grow. Um, continue to grow. All right, guys. Um, as always, if you're new here and you don't know about what we're about to pull off then you're in for a real treat. I have a little uh, a little thing called jaw jacking that we like to do, and we're about to giddy up on it. So if you were here just for the news, peace out. We'll see you tomorrow. And if you want to stay and jaw jack, let me introduce you to that. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Jaw Jacking. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier. And what I'm doing up here is flapping my gums, answering as many questions as I can. Why is chip? Oh, my God. Guys, I update... <sighs> Listen, I when you update Streamlabs OBS, it takes a crap on... All... Sorry, Kennedy. It takes a poop on all of your um, previously configured profiles and things. Like, oh, my God. Like, look at this. Look at this. This is ridiculous. What is this? I can't even with you right now. What? <sighs> Hold on one second. I got to fix chat. This is so stupid. Like, look at this. What are we doing here? Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to nuke this whole thing. And let me do this really quickly. Freaking. Freaking <laughs> so mad. Yes, I want to delete YouTube chat. Yes, I do. Can you imagine that? Streamlabs? Because you're 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 unacceptable, Streamlabs. Hold on one second. Let me fix this. You get to see how the sausage is made, everybody. Christ almighty. Ain't nobody got time for like doing overlay production live on stream. What are we doing here? Hold on. All right. And then I like to kind of. There we are. Uh, yeah. All right. You know what I got to say when Streamlabs uh, doesn't update and blows out all my profiles? Catch me outside. How about that? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. All right. We're back. We're back, everybody. Looking at chat. Um, I'm going to hang out and answer questions. Get some good music going. I've done A plus. Okay, so Abdullah Niazi says I've done A plus, Sec plus, CISA, some Linux certs, some uh, Azure certs. Do I have to go straight to OSCP or do I have some other entry level before going OSCP? Wow. Okay. So Abdullah is targeting OSCP. OSCP is the Offensive Security Certified Professional. It is a it is a more senior level pen testing cert, which anybody can take you do not have to have like five years of experience if you get it you get it um it is a, a very desirable cert there's a lot of opportunities that it can open for you um you've done a lot of entry-level stuff you got experience to cloud linux all that all i would say is two things abdullah one there are 
junior level pen testing certs. EJPT is one. Um, uh, TCM Academy has one. I think it's called uh, JPNT, which I would recommend. If you want, go get those. If you feel ready for OSCP, then go do it. Nothing should stop you. You can go with OSCP. I will say it's a very hard exam um, on purpose, so be careful with that. I've St. Lawrence says, I passed the pen test plus yesterday. So grateful for the community. Yes, yes. I've St. Lawrence, congratulations. Love it. Any tips for someone who's job hunting in the space and has not had any luck yet? Yeah, Pamela Joshua. Let's do this. Uh, Pamela. Uh, doink, and then book. So, Pamela, um, let me... I say it all the time on stream, but I'll, I'll do it right here. Uh, of course. Of course, this this overlay is screwed up, too. Nice. Nice job. Nice job, uh, Streamlabs. Way to stay classy. Freaking... This is so annoying. Like, I... Alright, so check it out. <sighs> Alright. Pamela, I dropped a link, or the Discord bot dropped a link to this book. This is literally 10 steps in a row to optimize your chances of breaking into the industry. It's a free download. Get on it. Um, networking, the final thing I'll say, Pamela, is it's not about applying to a 1,000 jobs. Like, network within the community... Use ChatGPT. Here's another thing I can uh, share with you. And then I'll, I'll move on to the next question. Um, I have an entire series on YouTube. Oh, I got a video for that. Love saying that. I've got an entire series on ChatGPT on how to like basically weaponize it. Where, where is it? Um, on how to like weaponize it to improve your resume to write custom dream um, cover letters, to adjust your resume for certain jobs, etc. Get get on that, Pamela. Hopefully that helps you. Okay. Question from Carrie. Jerry, do you know if there are any opportunities for getting work with Linux? Um. Yeah, I mean, so I guess I, what I would say to Carrie is if you're going to look for a Linux job, um, you would want to go. You would you you would become a system administrator in a Linux environment. So a lot of larger organizations they run Windows for their endpoints and for their workforce and for you know whatever, um, and then they'll run Linux for their um, you know infrastructure, right? So a sysadmin will be like Linux focused if you're um, you know typically a larger enterprise, right? Uh, smaller businesses now are leveraging cloud and stuff like that. So you'd, you'd want to focus more on cloud than Linux. But uh, that's pretty much, in my opinion, like the one area that you could look to um, for using Linux uh, creatively. If someone else has thoughts around Linux, but that, that's pretty much it uh, where I would think to go. Jonathan Knox saying, Jerry, I'm starting a new role on Monday in the cyber strategy and planning department for a pretty major organization. Looking forward to it. Nice, Jonathan. Congratulations. Super pumped for you. If I may, Jonathan, if I may, I know you didn't ask for this. You were just sharing your win. But if I may, um, uh, and you probably already know about this, but 
Don't sleep on NIST 800 SPs. All right. So this is for Jonathan. And, and this is like a, a cheat code for Jonathan. And Jonathan, if you already know this, then, you know, like, let's just share it for everybody else. This is NIST 800 or NIST Special Publications 800 series. All of these documents are freaking, there's hundreds of them. All of these documents are awesome, awesome. And they're super detailed and super specific, right? So like, let's say Jonathan's first task of business is like, they're, they're like, hey, Jonathan, you're working in cyber strategy and planning right now. Let's talk about how we should be thinking about, um, I don't know. Um, what would be a good example? Uh, vulnerability disclosure, right? Like, well, we want to set up a bug bounty around here. What do we do? And you're like, oh, no problem. Give me a few minutes. Doink. Right. Woo. Woo. You just read this thing and now it's like it's like you're supercharged, right? Also, obviously, ChatGPT, but I'm just saying, don't sleep on NIST 800 SP. Oh, hey, Jonathan, thank God you're here. We've been running infrastructure on-prem forever and we need to move to the cloud. We're really concerned. We don't know what the heck we're doing. No problem. Give me five minutes. I'm a zero trust architecture person now, okay? Like, obviously, I'm being wicked hyperbolic. I'm being, um, you know, extreme for... Uh, effective purposes but my point is don't sleep on nist 800 okay there's a reason there's an iheart nist emote in the emote tray for all the squad members because it's freaking awesome all right all right i, I got a hard stop at 9 30 i have a at uh i have a boatload of work you guys i have been working my tail off on cybersecurity 101 working my tail off okay I put five hours in Saturday morning, five hours in Sunday morning. I get up at like seven. I work until noon. Yesterday, I put eight hours into it. I am, and, and I'm only like a third of the way through it. Like it is so much freaking work. <sighs> I, I, I guess I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like venting because it's like, it's like so much work and I have an A load more of it. Uh, do you have any recommendations for cyber books? This is from Sean Porter. Do you have any recommendations for cyber books for entertainment? Could be nonfiction or fiction. I'm a fan of dystopian futures. Huh. Um, actually, um, I will tell you, it's not a cyber book, okay? But there is, I mean, I can give you nonfiction cyber books that are really fun. Um, I'll, I'll give you two. I'll give you a, a cyber one and a non-cyber one. So... From a cyber one, what would I say? Um, Nicole Pelross. Okay, so Nicole Pelross, this is how they tell me the world ends. Um, and I've said this before on stream. This book is awesome, okay? I got this. It'll say here in a second. Yeah, I bought this last October, right? You can see I'm not lying. Uh, this book is wicked awesome, okay? Love this book. If you get a chance, um, definitely worth checking out, okay? Now... The second book I recommend is, um, it's on my library. I would go get it, but I feel like a jerk leaving the stream. Um, it is, uh, damn it. Damn it, damn it. It's, it's right in the other room. Uh, it's basically a book from kind of like a science fiction writer guy. He does great work. And basically, it's, it's, there. Here's the deal. It's modern day. Oh, shit. Hold on one second. I, I hit the wrong button. It's modern day, but there's a government agency that is responsible for um, controlling 
technology that's like too advanced and they've basically been hoarding all this amazing technology and then the guy who's in charge of it like begins to weaponize the technology and he basically turns evil uh and it's really really interesting so it's like having to fight our main protagonist is having to fight through somebody who has like massive technological um advantages over them i can't remember what it's called but it's so good and it's like it's like a, an author who's like written multiple books like that if you guys want i'll i'll <laughs> i'll leave the stream and go get it but um in fact i'll tell you what i'm gonna go to 9 30 but then uh, if you want to wait sean I'll, I'll go grab it really quickly for those people um okay thank you for my shout out today that was awesome oh of course samantha uh for is the ceh worth doing even if it just gets past hr so if it gets you past hr absolutely um otherwise i don't know i wouldn't say so um i will i will tell you this i've seen this uh meme and i now uh hold on one second this isn't it oh man there's a really 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 funny um there's a really really funny meme here i'm gonna I'm gonna show it on stream, okay? There's a really funny meme. This isn't it, but like, have you ever seen this meme before? Right, the guy's getting metal, he bites it, he kisses the girl, he, you know, middle fingers to the world, celebrating, and then he's like on the bottom of the podium. I have seen this meme where the blue guy is CEH, and then it's like the first guy's Pen Test Plus, the next guy is EJPT, and then all the way up to like PNPT and OSCP. So I have seen that and I felt that that actually resonated. So I'm not saying I don't own a CEH. I haven't studied for the CEH. From what I know from people in industry who have, you know, do this for a living, the CEH is not seen as amazing, okay? Now, if CEH did add a practical hands-on part to their exam, that may have changed. But back in the day, it used to be a multiple choice question uh, exam and practitioners were like dude to do pen testing you have to get hands on keyboard and pop boxes you can't do that thanks king victory all right uh do you have any videos about starting on github gabe lister asks i do not i do not gabe i do have a github i'm not very good at it um i'm not very good at it so definitely not not my i don't have videos on it sorry um really quickly what's this okay um Again, shout out, thanks to the mods. Toss a coin to your mod. Uh, thanks so much, mods, for continuing to support the stream and helping me deliver the jawjacking segment so smoothly. Sean Peralt says, hi, Jerry. I present ransomware investigation to mentors in C-Level. Oh, hi. I have to present on ransomware investigation. Uh, C-Level will be there, prospective bosses. My angle is the impact on an organization. Any suggestions to add value and stand out? Sean Peralt asks, uh, yeah, Sean, if I was going to add value, um, I would do two things. You are focusing on impact. So here's what I would do. One, Sean, I would add these three things. Just uh, shooting from the hip here. These three things. One, I would include a slide that explains the business model from the threat actor's perspective. These are C-level people. So you know what they understand? 
They understand business. So make sure you call out how the business model works and specifically ransomware as a service affiliate model, right? I think that that's really going to be intriguing to them that it's not just a, you know, gang of like five dudes working out of a, um, you know, a cafe in Belarus, but it's like anyone anywhere who wants to get paid today can join up as an affiliate. So it increases the threat landscape and the likelihood significantly. And a lot of people don't know, like executives, they don't know about that. And it's very alarming again. So this is a way to get their attention. Second one I would include is the impact, um, include impact, which you're doing obviously, but, but, but don't sleep on, um, like, um, not like, so not Petya was, was, well, hold on. So exfiltration of data is like a new model. Ransomware breaking stuff is is a is a thing, but the impact can be greater than um, just like you know losing your keys and stuff like that. Um, it, you know you can have stuff pushed online. There's regulatory impacts if you're healthcare. I don't know what uh, uh, organization you're in. Uh, and then the third thing uh, I would point out: usually you want to give them some type of solution or salve on like how to reduce. Um, the the pain of a ransomware attack and mention tabletop exercises uh, potentially. Okay, just some thoughts. Okay, also include. By the way, include from impact. Include a couple examples of businesses going out of business. That's always um, you know pretty interesting. Like oh crap, like we could literally go out of business because of this. Yikes! All right, um, Migdalia, who's got the uh, the baton today. Gerald, I took a cybersecurity apprenticeship. I want to do PCI or GRC. I'm taking your GRC class on Teachable. Any advice? Yeah, no, absolutely. So PCI and GRC will align with each other if you're going to become a PCI auditor. Um, you can help an organization, typically larger organizations that take credit card transactions, making sure that they're PCI compliant. Um, you know, retail, obviously, but like, don't sleep. Like I worked at a medical university for years and you know what? They take credit cards too. Um, also at universities, the school bookstore, they take credit cards, right? Maybe maybe the bursar's office takes credit cards for tuition payments. I don't know. So PCI and credit cards are all over the place. So don't think that it's reserved for retail only. But a lot of times I have found particularly PCI is like a niche knowledge base. Like either you have it or you don't. Uh, and when you do have it, like I said, I worked at MUS, MUSC, a medical university center for a while. We had one guy on staff who knew PCI, and anytime something PCI came in, I had a choice. I could go learn PCI, or I could just throw it over to the fence to him. And 100% of the time, I threw it over to the fence to him. So if you can get that knowledge, you can become like a key resource for that information. In fact, Medallia, if you really wanted to, uh, this is like way beyond the scope of your question, but if you really wanted to, you could, I don't know what the space is for this. I haven't really seen it, but you could actually go completely YOLO and become like, you know, like a content creator, an online, you know, personal brand around PCI cybersecurity, right? Answering questions, clarifying uh, myths and misnomers, and then, you know, launch into that direction if you wanted to. Okay. Um, obviously, and GRC is awesome. I love me some GRC. How long does the GRC course take? How long? How long does the GRC course you offer take to finish? Kenneth Lowy asks. So Kenneth, I'd say it's like eight hours of videos, maybe five, six hours of um, labs, if you want to do the labs correctly. 
If you wanted to, you could put it on 2x speed and just plow through it. You could finish it in a day. Would I recommend that? Absolutely not. If Here's the deal. The GRC course isn't tied to some like um, certification or something like that. So if you're taking it, you should be taking it to absorb the knowledge. That course, which I might add, I, I, I get criticized all the time for the price of that course. The price being too low, by the way, not that it's too expensive. I get criticized all the time. That GRC course covers ex extensively all the things that you would be expected to know or execute on at an entry level position. Like it, it walks through all the different processes and phases and stuff like that. So the reason I say that is because it takes as long as it takes, Kenneth, for you to absorb the knowledge and then be able to explain it back to someone. So like, like after you take the course, if I sat down and said, hey, I want to do information security awareness. How do I do that? You have the tools to be able to answer that question in an effective way if you got out of the course what you needed to get out. So I would say all of that, practically speaking, I think I put a two-week schedule or three-week schedule in the introduction of the course to kind of help students uh, be successful. So go for it. Sorry, Kennedy. Yes. Um, we might need a sorry Kennedy emote, honestly. Uh, Jerry, please help. Presenting. Oh, I see. I see. Um, any videos on digital forensics? So interesting. Um, I do not. The only. I think the only video I have. I have two videos on video forensics, but they're not very good video. I mean, they're good, but they're not maybe what you're looking for. So I have a. Um, I have this video right here. This, episode this is an old one. You can tell by, oh my God, look how old this is. Like my office is totally different. My um, fierce beard though, Jerry. Nice. Um, this is a video where I interview Eric Venema, who is a law enforcement officer who retired and became a um, digital forensics guy. And he talks about digital forensics as a career path. Okay. Also, um, uh, oh my God. Haiku, Pro, Kittens, Mittens. Uh, I have this video here. Uh, I have this video here, right? Which is me doing a digital forensics capture the flag lab. But I don't have like a walkthrough of using autopsy or a walkthrough on FTK. Uh, you would have to go to a different channel on that one, unfortunately. So hopefully that's useful. Not not my wheelhouse. You know, I, I have done digital forensics academically, but not professionally. I'm just you guys. We got uh, four minutes left. I'm just you. Um, I'm planning to take CIOISA this November before it expires. I'm still about to get my study. Any recommendations? I, I Yeah, I give the same advice for all certification study. Uh, take a practice exam before you start doing anything and look at how you score. Baseline yourself. Then do the regular studying. This is my approach. Do all the studying, right? Then take the test again. S see where you've improved. Now, wherever you're doing the worst, go back and study just that part. Retake the test. See where you are until you um, achieve like maybe 20% above a passing score, right? That way you give yourself a little buffer and you, you prioritize your time on what you're focusing on.
Um, what up? Longtime listener, first time caller, Scotty P, my man. I love it, Scotty P. Thank you. First time, long time. Hey, don't sleep on that. We are going to be doing a radio call-in show um, as soon as I get through the Cyber 101 course and stuff. Um, Mark H. asks, what would you recommend as a minimum to be included in a home lab for junior entry level trying to upskill on their own? Um, well, you can virtualize a lot of home labs. Um, I would say I, I really like um, – I re- so Mark H., I really like this. I haven't thought through an exhaustive what's a home lab look like, but check this out. Um, Mark H. I have this. I'm going to drop a link in chat, Mark. Uh, Mark H. This is a home sock analyst lab. Okay. It's a whole walkthrough. It shows you how to do everything. But here's the, here's the deal. In this home lab, you will have a victim machine. You will have an attacker machine. You will do post-exploitation activities. You will have uh, Lima Charlie, which is kind of like an EDR solution, catching telemetry. In this one home lab, you basically build a micro security operations center and you're able to see all the things. Now, if you really wanted to get crazy, you could have multiple victims. You could start introducing additional tech. But this lab right here is bare bones, but it has enough meat to be able to give you meaningful opportunities to learn and upskill. I'd also want to point out, guys, I have a special place in my heart for GRC. I am literally... I feel like I'm the only person who's like really trying to like, like make GRC cool again. Uh, like from a content creator perspective, uh, I know Jax is doing some great GRC stuff, um, and, and a couple other people. But like, anyways, I, I always try to push GRC into the main uh, viewing lens here. But from a GRC perspective, this home lab you could document, um, you know, like policies and make sure that you could audit. The, the lab and the victim machine to see where there's gaps. You could do a risk assessment. The victim machine on this lab gets totally nerfed from a security perspective. So there's a lot of findings, a lot of critical findings, right? You could do all those things, all right? So uh, I would recommend that, Mark. All right, we got one minute, okay? Oh, Mono Julian. Um, Mono Julian with the super chat. Sorry, Mono, if I forgot that one. Want to get sponsors for a government clearance position? I decided to focus on CYSA Plus over Sec Plus to incorporate Splunk and Azure also to leverage my chances to get a GRC. All right, Mono. Yeah, definitely a solid move. A um, lot of big organizations use Splunk. A lot of organizations are using Azure. So a lot of opportunity there. CYSA Plus, I believe, is more focused on kind of SecOps, Blue Team Defender work. Um these are all uh, great behaviors, great, great things. I will say, um, with vulnerability management, you may want to get some experience or at least uh, get exposed to and then document using a vulnerability scanner. Um, that would be, that would be, you know, like if you're applying for a vulnerability management position, you could say like, oh, I've used a scanner. And once you've used one scanner, you use them all because they're all very, very similar. All right, guys, that's going to do it um, for the stream today. Um, Sean Porter, are you still here? Oh, oh, shoot. Oh, my God. Hey, so I got I got two things for everybody. Sean Porter, let me go grab the book. And, guys, I totally forgot something. So if you stayed for the jaw 